Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 354 of the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. Well, I'm really excited about today because this is part two of our Pandemic Babies series. Um, We started last week where we met several moms from our contributor team who had babies during the pandemic, and we met their babies briefly, and we just kind of, I guess, learned about the babyhood experience and how different that was for babies who were born during the last two years. Yeah, it was really powerful to hear those stories and made me smile and I loved getting to know them. Um, And I'm really excited about today's episode, too. Yeah, I definitely think you'll want to listen to episode 353 first if you haven't listened to that one yet before you listen to this one. Generally, we don't really say that. We're usually like, whatever, just listen to them in whatever order you want. Usually less bossy. (laughs) Yeah, but we're going to be kind of bossy today because I just think you will get You'll get to know the moms and the babies before we dive into today's episode, which is more about that motherhood experience, about really going through pregnancy, postpartum, maternity leave, and babies' first couple of years during a pandemic. Um, Man, that is so different. That is such a different way to be a mom, and especially a mom of a little baby. It is. And this is not like any kind of formal disclaimer at all, even though you know I love my disclaimers. But I will also say that today's episode feels a little. Mm, heavy is the wrong word because there's some really sweet stories today. But when we talk about the postpartum period or when we talk about the experience of being a new mom or mom to a new baby, it's raw. And we have some raw stories today. And that's another reason why I think last week's episode is kind of like you said, you get to know these families, get to know these babies. Um, and we progress through to some of to, some some hard stuff today, along with some really uplifting stuff. That's yeah. that's where I'll leave that one. So let's uh, remind everybody about our contributing voices for today. So we'll have them introduce themselves again real briefly. This is Katie from outside of Chicago. I'm a mom to three boys, ages seven, almost five, and my pandemic baby, who is 21 months. This is Emily from Indianapolis. I'm a mom to three kids, ages six, four, and my pandemic baby, who is 20 months. This is Jamie from Raleigh, North Carolina. I have two kids, ages four and 20 months. This is Catherine from California. I'm a mom to three kids, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and my pandemic baby, who is nine months. This is Kia from Pennsylvania. I'm a mom to kids ages 12, four, eight weeks, and my first pandemic baby is 22 months old. This is Sandy from Los Angeles. I'm a mom to two kids. My oldest is four, and my pandemic baby is 14 months. This is Sarah from San Diego. I am the mom to a one-year-old, my pandemic baby, who was born in January of 2021. This is Stacy from Montana. I'm a mom to three kids, ages seven, five, and my pandemic baby, who is 20 months old. 
Okay, so those were the seven moms you met last week, and I'm really excited. We reached out to our larger community, and we brought on one additional voice for today's episode. Her name is Kayla. She's from Massachusetts. I'll have her introduce herself in just a minute, but I want to talk a little bit about how this happened, because one of the things I realized as these audio clips started to come in was that I was really interested in hearing from a full-time working mom um, when we started to talk about things like going back to work and putting baby in childcare, and of our seven contributors, we actually have some working moms, some work from home moms, some work part time moms. We have a couple of moms who left full time work because of the pandemic, and we will get into that in this episode. Um, but I, I just felt like there was a perspective that wasn't represented that I was really curious about. So I reached out to our larger community. I found Kayla. Um, and so Kayla is a full-time working mom who after maternity leave went right back into her full-time job. Um, and, and she's going to share some things about that today. So let's meet Kayla and learn a little bit about her and her pandemic baby. My name is Kayla Geyer and I live in Westford, Massachusetts. I work from home managing a team of account managers and I have two kids, four and 17 months before the pandemic. I was working in the office full-time, Monday through Friday, um, and ever since March 2020, I now work from home, 8 to 5, and both of my kids go to full-time daycare. My pandemic baby is 17 months old. His name is Sammy, um, and he is our happy, joyful, wild child. He goes to daycare full-time, and he loves it there. He reaches for his teachers when I drop him off. Since he's 17 months he doesn't have as many words um, as they should at this age, as we've been told they should at this age. And I do think some of that has to do with um, being around teachers who are wearing masks all the time. Um, but, you know, that doesn't stop him from from pointing and grunting um, and making his needs known. He'll definitely let us know when he wants something. Yeah, I love hearing from Kayla. And I think that's such an important perspective, Sarah, because. Um, not only did the pandemic change motherhood and babyhood, but it changed working motherhood yeah. dramatically. Yeah. And, you know, that's why we have memes and uh, morning show clips that show like a mom working in a closet yeah. with or a to on the toilet with the babies that like wrecking the house in the next clip. Right. And it's like, what about the moms for whom that was not an option or not desirable? Like right. what a what a what do you do about daycare when you need daycare and daycare is weird or. Like, how do you make that work when um, life kind of has to go on a little closer to the way it was before, yeah. but nothing's like it was before? So I'm really glad we have Kayla. Yeah, me too. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor Meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor Meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah, and for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code MOMHOUR50 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. 
and the Willa slip-on flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa slip-on flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, Sarah. So like you mentioned, there are some kind of tough stories um, in this episode, but there's also some really sweet stories, really funny stories. So we'll start with this one. So we asked the group, was there one defining moment of your experience as a mom to a pandemic newborn that felt like a huge struggle where you just said to yourself, this is too hard and what helped you get through it? So let's listen to the stories from Sarah, Kia, Emily, Sandy, and Catherine. The first two weeks of Maddie's life were really a defining time um, as a mom of a pandemic newborn. We had just brought her home and weren't allowed to have anybody in the hospital. We had to stay in our room. We couldn't even walk through the hospital hallways. And then we come home and we had to be alone um, for two weeks, which There were some benefits, but being a first-time mom, feeling so isolated for two weeks with this new baby that I don't know what to do with, I'm trying my best, but it's not going so well. Um, My husband also trying his best, but also not going so well at some times. It was so hard. On top of that, just the fear of this baby is so little, this baby is so fragile, the world outside of our home seems so dangerous and risky. Um, There were definitely points where I was just not sure how we were going to do it. It was very hard. It was very high anxiety for me. And just challenging to not feel isolated, um, which I did. I felt very isolated for a very long time and still do at times. So nursing Brayden was really, really difficult and painful the first few weeks. And we couldn't really get an answer why or go anywhere to get an answer why. And then when he was six weeks old, we found out that he had a lip and tongue tie, but there was nothing that could be done about it because dentists were closed. And then we found a dentist who got like an emergency opening for things like lip and tongue ties. So he was actually able to have that done when he was nine weeks. And it was just such a hard time being so alone and not being able to get any help Also being so alone all the time in the house with all the kids was really hard for me. But getting through that, what helped me get through all that was FaceTiming. Thank God for FaceTime, right? And um, Starbucks and grocery drop-offs to my front porch because I couldn't go grocery shopping (laughs) for, um, you know, with, with three kids. So my mom would drop off things and my sisters, and this was before they even had the grocery pickups or drop-offs and it was just such a blessing to my mental health and my family in general. I struggled the most in the immediate postpartum period. After I had my first baby, I struggled pretty badly with postpartum anxiety and then when I had my second, I had a better plan in place to avoid that and I did. And then when I had Hazel, my plan sort of went out the window when I learned that we probably wouldn't be having much help in our house. So I really struggled with the isolation and it was very lonely being home with three kids all day by myself. We couldn't really go anywhere either. So I felt very trapped. And I have this memory of my sister dropping off dinner for us. And I was in the garage holding Hazel and my sister was in the driveway. It was raining and I was just emotional and tired and hormonal. And I just started crying in my garage and I felt like it felt like help was right there, but I couldn't have it. And it just felt, I just had to grieve the loss of that in a way. But the thing that got me through it is that everyone was so supportive through text messages and FaceTime and messages online and 
friends and family were dropping off dinners and just checking in with me. And I really appreciated the support. It wasn't the same as an in-person community, but it definitely helped. I remember a particularly tough day as the mom to a pandemic newborn. It was about a month after Rosie was born. And I remember that was the very first time that I was alone with the baby. And actually, I was kind of looking forward to it because with the pandemic, we had all been home together most of the days for most of that month. So that was a lot of togetherness. And this day was going to be kind of alone time, um, or so I thought. I was not a first time mom. I had the experience. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to get the baby down for naps. I'm going to actually have some time by myself in the house, which hasn't happened in a long time. And it's going to be good. Well, what happened was that on this day, for some reason, Rosie just refused to take a nap. And it was one of those crazy making days when she would just wake up every half an hour. Um, and it was just going on for hours and hours where she would fall asleep in my arms. But the moment I try to put her down, she would wake back up again. And I could just totally tell she was overtired and needed to sleep. But that just made her fight it even more and... We were going on something crazy like four to five hours of awake time where she just had not slept. And I was getting kind of panicky thinking, oh, she's overtired. She's overtired. If I don't get her down now, it's just going to get worse and worse. So um, that whole day, I didn't even have time to really eat. I remember eating really fast while she was crying um, in the bassinet next to me because I was the, uh, I just got so hungry. I had to put her down and I was just shoving food into my mouth so that I could finish and then pick her back up again. And by the end of the day at five o'clock when my husband got back, I just felt so defeated because that entire day, basically I was either listening to my baby cry or I had to hold her and feed her. And I wasn't able to get that uh, rest time I thought I would. And it just felt very defeating. There were a lot of moments as, um, a mom to a pandemic baby that felt super overwhelming and very, very hard. Um, there were a lot of those moments. Um, but I do remember one day in particular where um, both of my kids were just getting over a cold. And so they were super stir crazy. It was in the height of one of the major lockdowns. So we didn't really have anywhere to go. A lot of the parks were even closed. Um, and Walter was so little that I didn't really want to like risk it and go anywhere. Um, we also did the insane thing of getting a pandemic puppy. And so we had this brand new dog running around the house. And I remember she peed in the hallway because she took a while to figure out the potty training situation. My daughter stepped in it, slipped in it. My middle child came running over because he heard the commotion. He stepped in it and slipped in it. Um, and then everyone was crying so loud that the baby woke up and started crying as well. So I had three crying children, a puddle of pee on the ground, um, and a dog that was, you know, who knows where tracking it over the rest of the house. And that was one of those days where I just kind of stood there looking at all and taking it all in and thinking, wow, this is, this is a lot. <laughs> I just want to quickly say that Kia's story about the nursing and tongue tie and not being able to get in to have it taken care of for nine weeks is I mean, I just can't even imagine. Does it make you feel kind of panicky? <laughs> it does because yeah. I had really bad, like I had babies with um, latch issues. Not, not, uh, it never did turn out to be tongue tie, but ones where I thought, man, if this, if it just felt like this for three weeks, I'd be climbing the walls. And, and it's just, like I said, I think in the very first episode in the series at the very beginning, like the things that you take for granted, like being able to take your baby in and get help yeah. with something. And just not having that available, I mean, that's like huge. And this was happening on a much grander scale all over the world. Yeah. So just, I mean, those are all hard stories, but he is, I was just like, ah. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> and I, then poor Catherine with the dog pee. I know. Well, we had to end with the funny dog pee story. <laughs> I will say Sandy's story about thinking she was going to get a day where she could just be alone with her newborn. And she was a second time mom. So she thought like, I've got this. And that feeling of a baby who will not yes. go to sleep and you're eating cold food while your baby screamed, that, brought up, your face. That, yeah. that activated something in my, um, <laughs> in me that I, 
And then just Emily, the, the heartbreak of having help 10 feet or 15 feet on the driveway oh, in front of you. Being able to I, know, access I, I don't it. think I could talk about that because that, that would make me cry. But yeah, okay. there's a lot of hard. Um, so we we introduced you to Kayla, who's a full time working mom. And we asked Kayla this same question. And I thought it was interesting. It wasn't for her one moment. It was sort of like the series of or the buildup of moments. And she she speaks specifically to the maternity leave that was not what she had had in mind. So let's listen to Kayla on on the type of hard that was being a full time working mom during this time. My name is Kayla Geyer and I live in Westford, Massachusetts. I work from home managing a team of account managers, and I have two kids, four and 17 months. Before the pandemic, I was working in the office full-time, Monday through Friday, um, and ever since March 2020, I now work from home, eight to five, and both of my kids go to full-time daycare. My pandemic baby is 17 months old. His name is Sammy, um, and he is our happy, joyful, wild child. He goes to daycare full time and he loves it there. He reaches for his teachers when I drop him off. Since he's 17 months, he doesn't have as many words um, as they should at this age, as we've been told they should at this age. And I do think some of that has to do with um, being around teachers who are wearing masks all the time. Um, but, you know, that doesn't stop him from from pointing and grunting um, and making his needs known. He'll definitely let us know when he wants something. There wasn't one defining moment as a mom to a pandemic newborn that felt like a huge struggle. I think it's more of the small moments that all added up. Um, being a full-time working mom, I'm very used to being go, go, go all the day, talking to people, interacting, being on the move. And I think with the 12 weeks of maternity leave, which we all know isn't enough, um, I felt very stuck in the house and I had a really hard time coming to terms with the fact that I wasn't having the maternity leave that I thought I was going to have. Um, and instead, I was stuck at home. Um, we would get out for walks as much as possible, but I live in New England and it was cold uh, during the winter. You know, maternity leave and having a newborn, you already feel isolated. And in a pandemic, it is so much more isolating and you feel so much more alone. Okay. Let's get away from the heavy stories for a minute here. Take a deep breath. Um, we asked our moms, has there been a silver lining to having a pandemic baby? And I, I love these like, look on the bright side stories. I am an incurable optimist. Mm -hmm. So it, it helps me like balance my chi here. Um, but we're going to hear from Jamie, Katie, Sandy, and Stacy. I think the biggest silver lining of having a baby during a pandemic has been the amount of time that my two kids have gotten together. Um, should there not have been a pandemic, my older son would have gone to school. He probably would have started part-time and then would have increased the number of days he was there. But due to this pandemic, we have kept him home full-time this entire time. And I really feel like I have seen the benefits of that. Um, these two have spent what feels like, I mean, it has been my daughter's entire life and the large, large majority of my son's life together with each other being their best friends. You know, we have not interacted with tons of other people. There have been, you know, sometimes where we've gotten together with other friends but these two have had each other the whole time. And if it weren't for the pandemic, I think my son would be out there making other friends um, and maybe be a little bit less interested in his sister. But his sister is, has been his best friend for the last two years. And I think if it weren't for the pandemic, that probably wouldn't feel quite, I don't think they would feel quite as close as they seem to. The biggest silver lining of having a pandemic baby by far is that uh, he gave us joy and hope and something to be happy for during some of the darkest days. Um, you know, when things feel tough in the outside world, we could kind of snuggle in as our family of five. And, you know, I still had a baby to hold and love and um that 
felt so good. <laughs> that like got us through a lot. Uh, it was by far the most joyful experience of 2020, even though it was really hard. Um, it felt like a true gift. The biggest silver lining to having a pandemic baby has definitely been my husband working from home. Working from home was a huge silver lining for us because I was so sick during my first trimester and I was nauseous on most days. I had a lot of trouble keeping food down. I actually had to go on some medication just to function. But having my husband home during those times, especially to help with our older child, that was just such a blessing in a time when we really needed it. I don't know how we would have survived those first few months um, if it wasn't for my husband there taking care of us. A silver lining to having a baby in 2020 is you really didn't have to worry about people in public, random strangers trying to touch your baby because it seemed like most people were pretty aware that that wasn't appropriate. So that was a nice change. Okay, I just loved that that was Stacy's contribution to this. Right. And again, as a reminder, Stacy's our very rural friend who doesn't right, really like see anybody anyway. So like right. nobody's com- nobody's coming within six feet of anyone in her family anyway. And now she gets the silver lining of like the one time a week when she does go to the grocery store, no one touches her baby. So all, all good. So this is kind of an interesting question. We wanted to know if the pandemic had prompted any major life decisions for this group of moms, because we know that for so many families, including mine, um, COVID maybe prompted a move or a change in job or an entry into or out of the workforce. Um, things like having more kids or deciding not to have any more kids. So we just asked if there had been any major life decisions that their families made based on this experience. And so we're going to hear from Jamie, Catherine and Kia now. Quite possibly one of the biggest decisions that we have made related to our lives, um, due to this pandemic is the fact that we are done having kids after two. And I am not certain if that would have been the case if we had not lived through this pandemic. Um, I was pretty sure I wanted three. My wife was also pretty sure she wanted three. Um, And I am wondering now, and we will never know, but if we had not gone through a pandemic, would I be pregnant with number three right now? Um, But we have absolutely decided that um, we are done after two. So it's just kind of interesting to think about what that, you know, looks like. We feel super confident in this decision and this is what's best for our family and, you know, making our mental health a priority. Um, But I can't help but wonder. The biggest way that the pandemic has changed my life, I think, was that I decided to leave my teaching job. I was a full-time middle school teacher until 2020 um, when the pandemic started and we all left campus. I did the whole teaching virtually with my other kids at home thing for a couple months, and I just felt like it was completely unsustainable. I didn't know what the next year was going to hold. We don't have any local family. My kids' school was shut down, um, so I decided to take a leave of absence, um, and then a lot of those problems, as we know, did not really resolve the next year. So I took another leave of absence. And if it hadn't been for the pandemic, I definitely would not have been um, at home with my kids. I definitely would have still been in the classroom. So when Brayden was 10 weeks old, I went back to work as a registered nurse in a hospital. And when he was almost six months old, we made the decision for me to stay home because we didn't Um, care to have outside of the home caregivers in our home with COVID. Uh, We just didn't, we were having a really hard time finding people that we can trust and just having people in and out made us really anxious. And especially with my daughter going to be staying home from school, it was just the best decision for our family. And during that time, as soon as Brayden turned a year old, we decided to have one more baby. Yeah, I just think this is so interesting. And I I know there are so many moms who had really difficult decisions about leaving the workforce, uh, changing what work looked like for them. And this is still going to be happening. Don't you think, Megan, for years? Yes, I don't think this is not this is not going anywhere for a while. No, it's I mean, yes. Smarter people than me have real data on what's happened (laughs) to mothers in the workforce. Yeah. And I I think what's 
what the pandemic has sparked is the knowledge that you actually can change things that maybe we didn't really have before or like that that maybe there are other options or that maybe remote work is a possibility or whatever so it's it's going to be it's well again smarter than people that, smarter people than us have actual data but I do think we're going to feel ripple effects for a very long time. I do too. And we're going to hear from Kayla next. And I just loved how she talked about her decision or not even a decision, her commitment to staying in the workforce um, and, and what that looked like for her. So let's listen to Kayla. We didn't make any big decisions, um, any big life decisions based on this experience of having a newborn during a pandemic, you know, we've continued to go back and forth of whether we want two kids or three kids. And I do grieve the fact that we haven't been able to do the things that we were able to do with my first child with my pandemic baby, you know, taking him to the stores, taking him to fun activities, having him meet more of our friends and family. Um, And I do grieve my experience during my maternity leave of just being stuck in the house day in and day out. Um, But, you know, we've talked about a a third child and what that looks like for our family. And um, one day I do hope that we can add that. But if the world is still in a place that we're in today, then I think the pandemic would be a big deciding factor of us not having another child. Um, But another, you know, decision a lot of women have to make is whether they're going to stay in the workforce or not. And I don't think that was even a thought in my mind of whether I was going to stay in the workforce. Um, Working is such a huge part of my identity and something that I don't see myself stopping. Um, And it's, it's a big part of who I am. So um, I'm going to continue to stay in the workforce and, you know, it helps us not only pay for childcare, but it, it helps me be a better mom um, being able to do my work, Um, during my time, get that interaction with the people that I work with and people on my team and my clients. Um, And then I am a much better mom at the end of the day uh, to spend that more quality time with my kids and and on the weekends. Yeah, I loved that perspective from Kayla as well. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, we're all comparing notes on our favorite product, Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. 
Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. All right. Well, here on the mom hour, we do not like to gloss over things that are hard. We try not to do that, even though we both, I think, have a relatively positive outlook and try to assure people that it's all going to be okay. And that puts us in a middle place a lot of the time. Yes. Right. <laughs> but I think here's Megan's, here's Megan's heavy side Megan's advance. Heavy side. Yeah. Um, if therapy teaches us nothing, it's that <laughs> grieving is important. Like to, to be able to name the thing that we're grieving, even if it's little, even if it's I'm grieving that like we had to cancel my girls yeah. weekend. There was a lot of that. Remember in the early pandemic, it was like we felt guilty to say we were grieving that concert we were looking forward to going to because people were really ill and and having terrible outcomes from COVID. But it's really, really important, I think, to to name this kind of loss. What is the saying? If you can name it, you can tame it. Yeah. yeah. I know another one. It's anything that's mentionable is manageable. Oh, that's a good one. I haven't Isn't heard that, that one. Yeah. We'll use yeah. that in the future. Yeah. We'll just, tuck that I one away it from a therapist. I know. <laughs> and, <laughs> and locally. But. So, okay. So we asked these moms, what is something you feel like you missed out on or had to grieve through this experience of having a pandemic baby? And the responses kind of fell in two kind of categories. So first, we're going to hear from the moms who talked about the grief that happened even before the baby was born. And I have to admit, Megan, I hadn't I was thinking so much about these babies that I forgot how special pregnancy is and the anticipation yeah. of a baby. And so we have Sarah and Katie and Sandy talking about what they missed out on as they prepared to welcome their pandemic baby. So we'll listen to them now. I definitely feel like I missed out on a lot of the celebrating that comes with having a new baby because of this pandemic. I was pregnant also during the pandemic. So I didn't get like an in-person baby shower or to get to go, you know, hang out with my friends and go baby clothes shopping or anything like that. Um, and that was really hard because it's a time to celebrate and be happy. And we just didn't get that opportunity. Um, my husband also missed out on all of our doctor's appointments because he wasn't allowed in. So he never got to see an ultrasound. He didn't get to be there with me during some of the more scary appointments or the ones that you know, I didn't feel good about or I really could have used support with. He had to wait in the parking lot or be at home, which was so hard for us. Um, once Maddie was born, we also didn't get, a, you know, the celebration and kind of family gathering that I expected after having a child because nobody was allowed to be around and we had to distance and all this other stuff. So I feel like the the idea that I had of what pregnancy would look like, what having a baby would look like was so different because all of this happened during a pandemic and it was our first time. A lot of um, my grief about having a pandemic baby is tied up with my experience of having him um, unexpectedly be in the NICU for the first three weeks of his life. So um I always had to wear a mask when I was holding him um, in the hospital for those first few weeks. Um, my husband and I never got to be together in the NICU with him. Uh, the baby could only have one visitor at a time. Um, my older sons did not get to meet their baby brother until he came home. And so that was uh, those were three really difficult weeks. I feel like uh, there was a lot of grief and um, difficulty towards the end of my pregnancy. So those last, uh, that last month or so was at the very beginning of the pandemic. And so there were a lot of things that I was hoping that we would do that just were not even an option. So there was no like last date night with my husband. There was no getting a prenatal massage before the baby was born. There was no even like going to get a pedicure, having a little pampering. We knew that this was going to be our last baby. And so I feel like I had uh, really uh, strong expectations and hopes for how that would be, knowing that we wouldn't be going through it again. 
And so just knowing that it wasn't um, what we had hoped and that we won't have another opportunity to uh, bring home a new baby into our family is really hard. Something that I feel like I missed out on having a pandemic baby actually happened before my baby was even born. So when I was pregnant, I got this idea that I wanted to announce the pregnancy to our family and friends at my daughter's third birthday party. So her birthday was coming up and the timing of it worked out that it was going to be around the end of my first trimester. So I became really attached to this idea that um, since all of our people were getting together, that we could announce we were having another baby at the party and it'd be kind of this fun surprise where we got to tell everyone in person all at the same time. Well, that didn't get to happen because we had to cancel my daughter's birthday party due to COVID. So we ended up having to tell everyone mostly through the phone or email or text. So that was just something I was really bummed about from the very start. I think I really had to grieve just the loss of community um, throughout these few years of having a baby and then her first year of life. Just those ordinary things like going over to people's houses and play dates, um, even church. So just simple things like that. Um, yeah, Sarah, you're so right that there are those special things that happen. And even just like decisions to make about, um, I know this question isn't about decision making, but like even just like how your pregnancy is going to play out mm -hmm. and medical decisions like that, so complicated. And then layer on the losses of, oh man, baby showers and things like that. It is a lot. Um, these next few clips are really more about what life was like after baby came and how it wasn't, you know, what you would want or expect yeah. um, that that postpartum newborn period to be like. So we'll hear from Jamie, Kia and Emily. One of the biggest things that I had to grieve um, with having a pandemic baby was actually related to the fact that my toddler was staying home with me full time. Um, so I had every intention of my toddler starting preschool in the fall of 2020. Um, he was all registered. We had paid the deposit because that happened in January of 2020. We were feeling really excited about that. He was going to go part time and I was going to get some time with my daughter. Um, just a little bit. It wasn't going to be a ton, but there was going to be opportunity for us to go get a coffee and go putz around Target and go to the grocery store um, without having uh, her brother in tow. And that is something that still kind of hurts my heart a little bit that we never at any point got that one on one time. My daughter has been raised entirely with her brother around and that's okay. There are so many other perks to that that have come out of this. Um, but I wanted someone on one time with my baby that I never got. And um, it actually makes me even a little tearful to say it into the phone right now. Um, that really stunk to me because that was not, that was not in my plan. Um, it is okay. We've made it out on the other side, um, but definitely something that I have had to grieve um, through having this baby in a pandemic. Really grieving not being able to show off my baby to family and friends and even have just like a get together with my new baby for all of our closest family and friends, being able to take all three of my kids out together, like on lunch dates or target trips to just get out of the house. And a lot of that still hasn't really happened for him. I had to grieve a lot of things through this experience of having a pandemic baby. The first thing was the lack of postpartum support after I had Hazel. I just, I really thought that my mom would be over here a lot, helping me with the bigger kids so I could focus on the baby, that my sisters would visit. And so it was just sad to kind of lose that. And then the last thing that I had to grieve was all of the events that I missed during her first year of life. Just... As the world started opening up again, people were, you know, doing more things and I still wasn't comfortable being out when I knew that I would could bring something home to my newborn baby. So 
I learned to say no a lot in 2020 and it's not a bad thing, but it makes me sad knowing I'm never going to get that time back. Yeah, that is just, it is heartbreaking. It makes my stomach feel like uncomfortable to think about Mm -hmm. moms not getting the support they need in the postpartum period and then not getting just the little bits of joy. Like Kia said, showing off a new baby is actually like it it was such an anchor for me of like, even when nights were long and I was hormonal, like to be able to put your baby in an outfit and know they were going to meet a relative or a friend for the first time was like really good for my mental health. And so just to think about, yeah, these things that were taken away from moms is really hard. And then there is the perspective of not being able to relate to what it seems like every mom on the internet is going through. And that was Stacy's experience. And again, we've talked about Stacy. She had Nora on the side of the gravel road. She lives 50 miles from town. And as she shares in this clip, she came to us and said, I don't know if I can even do this series because I, it was my experience was so different. But as you'll hear, even the the experience of being left out of a collective grief is in its own way really hard. Um, and yeah. I think anybody who's been through that where it seems like everybody's on vacation or it seems like everybody's having kids go back to school or whatever it seems like everybody's going through and you're not, that is its own kind of isolation. So let's let's listen to Stacy now. For me, the biggest struggle of having a baby in 2020 was feeling like I couldn't relate to a lot of other people on social media and what they were experiencing having a baby during the pandemic. I also felt some guilt in that it was relatively normal. Um, My experience was a lot different than other women. I was planning to give birth at a birth center, which isn't associated with the hospital. So there were a lot less restrictions on who could come with you to appointments or who could be there for the birth. So then over the summer, I just kind of felt guilty that our lives felt normal. We live very rurally. And my husband and I joked in the early stages of the pandemic when people talked about social distancing that we already do that. Um, Our closest neighbor is my in-laws and they live three miles from us. So we're already always pretty isolated So for me, my experience, and I wondered if I should even participate in this episode because I felt like I didn't have a lot to offer. But part of the reason I wanted to share was that I'm guessing that there are other women whose experience might have been what you would say is quote unquote normal and that they maybe have felt in the last couple of years that they aren't able to relate to what they see on their newsfeed. And I just wanted to be a voice for those women that We maybe had a different experience in 2020, but not taking away from the hardness and challenges that other women have experienced. Um, And I guess I want to say that I don't take that for granted that our experience was much different. Well, well, that is a really important perspective because, you know, Sarah, I mean, this pandemic has been so challenging and, and there's been so much loss and there's been so many hard things. But one of the cool things is the way we were, well, most of us or many of us seemed to be going through mostly the same things at the same time. And there was almost like a party atmosphere about it in the beginning, like a sad, sad party, like a sad, scary party that you didn't ask to go to. But while you're there, you might as well bust out the champagne and have fun. That's really how a lot of it kind of felt in those early days, especially, um, you know, maybe less so as it dragged on for hours, you know, forever and ever. But being left out of that while still having some of the fallout of it yeah. would be hard. Like, yeah. yeah, not being able to share in the actual, like, experience yeah. while also experiencing, like, shipping delays yeah. would be and really then, annoying. And then being guilty and then feeling guilty that yeah. you somehow are having your normal life on a farm because yeah. your life is normally socially distant. So you not only can't relate, you also can't really share whatever is hard because everyone's like, well, you yeah. don't have to wear masks at work. I don't know. Right. Yeah. 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 We feel yes, Stacey. Well, here's our palate cleanser <laughs> because um, we've had some heavy stuff. And the last question that we're having everyone answer, I feel like the answers are, they're still very real, but like, I like how philosophical mm-hmm. everyone is. It's like, we've come through this thing. Here's what we've learned. Um here's the part where we've gained perspective. 
here's maybe some things that like if another mom was in our situation, which many, many are right now, right? Coming into having a baby Mm -hmm. in the pandemic, they could do to make this experience a little bit easier on them. So the question is, what do you wish you could go back and tell yourself two years ago? Um, And we have everybody. So we've first got Catherine, then Kia, Kayla, Katie, Sandy, Stacy, Jamie, and Emily answering that question. I think if I were to go back in time and tell myself in March of 2020 anything, um, I think I would tell myself that everyone, or most people at least, are really doing their best with the information that they have. Um, And I think a lot of people had really complicated reasons and very real reasons for behaving in the ways that they did during the pandemic. Um, I think at the beginning, there was a lot of judgment towards people who were treating things in different ways. And while um, I do think that it was important for people to be responsible about the virus, I also think that I jumped to judgment a lot of times and I maybe misunderstood people because I didn't have all the information um, because we don't always need to have all of the information about other people. Uh, So I think I would have really told myself to let go, um, do my own risk assessment for my family and the people that I love and just know that other people were doing their best too. And they just might've had different needs and different information um, than I did. And I think that that perspective has been really freeing for me at this point in the pandemic um, and has allowed me to maintain some of the relationships that were a little more strained at the beginning, um, but that are still really, really important to me. I would tell myself that I won't regret staying home. I had such a hard time coming to terms with being a stay-at-home mom And I would tell myself that I was doing the best I could with everything that I was given. Um, I would tell myself that I am not alone. To feel the feelings and don't let the fear of the unknown cripple you. I wish I could tell myself that your kids are going to be okay. They're going to thrive. I had a lot of anxiety when I was sending my oldest back to daycare after he was home with us for about six to seven months when the pandemic first happened. And I definitely had a lot hard time sending my four month old baby into daycare where he can't wear masks and we still didn't know much about COVID. Um, But I just want to tell myself that I always knew I was making the right decision as a mom and the mom gut is a real thing and you have to trust it. And you are doing your best to make the best decisions for you and your family. And it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. Um, It just matters what you are doing for your family. If I could go back two years, I would just tell myself that um, it's all going to be okay. And that the only thing I need to be uh, focused on is just loving my family. So I think I was stressing out a lot about... um, what all of my kids were not getting from me. And a lot of times I felt like I was failing them, but I wish I could just go back and tell myself that if I can just focus on loving them, then that's the most important thing and everything else will work itself out. Um, I would also tell myself to uh, push a little harder uh, with my doctor um, on how I'm feeling emotionally. I wish I would have advocated getting some help for myself a little bit earlier because I think I suffered longer than I needed to. Once I finally did get some help, um, it made a huge difference. And so I think I would just tell myself to do that earlier and that, um, you know, all of the normal stress outlets and support that, I had been leaning on in the past after having babies were not available to me. So I shouldn't have expected that my postpartum experience would be the same as it was with my first two kids. It was a lot more difficult. And um, I ultimately did need some medication to help me get through that time. And I wish that I would have um, seeked out that support and help from my doctor earlier than I did. One thing I wish I could go back and tell myself two years ago is to give yourself and others grace. So as Enneagram One, 
I tend to have pretty high expectations for myself and others. I like to plan and find the quote-unquote best way to do things. Um, but becoming a mom of two during the pandemic has really shifted my perspective um, because we've all had to make a lot of decisions when things were really uncertain and felt really out of control. So I've just realized that sometimes no one knows what's the exact right thing to do. And just learning that in parenting, there's no one best way or right way to do things. What works for me might not work for someone else and vice versa. So that's just been a big lesson in motherhood for me in general. But I think the pandemic just really magnified that. If I could go back two years, I would tell myself, yes, those are really contractions. And yes, you should probably leave for town sooner than later. But on a more serious note, I would tell myself that March of 2020 will feel really chaotic and a lot of unknowns, but that everything will be okay. So as I record this at the end of January 2022, if I have one message to myself in March of 2020, it would be this, that Jamie, you will do everything you absolutely can to protect your children from this virus. Um, you will keep them safe for as long as you possibly can. But June will get COVID and she will get it in January of 2022 and she will be absolutely fine. If I could have told myself that in March of 2020, I think that would have relieved so much anxiety over the last two years that my daughter will get it. My kid, my son likely will have it and they will be okay. I wish that I could go back to years and tell myself that I am doing the best that I can, that I'm a good mom and that following my gut feeling is not a bad thing. I have had so much mom guilt the past two years, letting my older kids watch too much TV, that we're home too often, that we're missing out on things because we're trying to play it more safe. And I feel like if I could go back, I would just tell myself, you know, the decisions you make over the next two years are the best ones for your family. And that's all that matters. Ooh, Megan, those made me emotional also. No, you know, there's a lot of so much wisdom that I wish those eight women didn't have to gain. So in such a hard yeah. way, I guess is kind of how I feel, but so wise. And I mean, how many of them said they wish they could tell themselves it was all going to be okay. And maybe, yeah. maybe we can remind ourselves of that, whatever we're going through, that your future self just wants you to know that you're doing the very best that you can. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks for joining us for this two part series, everybody. We would be honored if you felt like sharing this episode and last week's episode um, with a new mom in your life or really anybody um, that you think would enjoy listening. And if you found us, if you're new here because someone shared this series with you, welcome. We are so glad you're listening. Definitely hit subscribe wherever you're listening in your podcast app because we got all kinds of episodes. We've got funny ones. We've got practical ones. Um, and we've got all kinds of ways to interact with us um, on our blog and on our website and on our socials. So easiest to hit subscribe so that you will get notified when there's a new podcast episode and um, just be part of our community. So we're glad you're here. Um, coming up on Friday is our monthly voices interview. And I will be chatting with Larissa Maloney about having active kids and active families and kind of embracing an active lifestyle, not just about getting fit or working out, but actually moving your body both with your kids and getting your kids off the couch and off the screen. So great timing as we head into spring. That'll be an interview in your podcast feed on Friday. And Megan, this was really special to do this together. So it really was. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, 
keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hi, everyone. Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening, and leave the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us, and it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hour's show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button and then scroll all the way to the bottom and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.